What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome to episode four of the Rod and Real podcast. I'm Rod Beard, Pistons beat writer for the Detroit News. I got a special holiday edition of the Rod and Real podcast for you guys, taking a look at where the Pistons are now. At 11 and 20, they're not trending toward the playoffs. They're more trending toward being a lottery team and maybe what this means in terms of rebuilding, figuring this thing out. Maybe they stand pat. What do the contract situations look like? I'll dive into a little bit of that. I've also got a Christmas wish for each of the Pistons players, something that they can improve on, something that they need, something that will help them as we get into the holiday season. Take a look at the upcoming road trip and really just where the Pistons are as a whole, as a franchise, where team owner Tom Gorris has to figure out the direction of where these guys have to go. But we'll start with... Pistons coming off a loss to the Sixers that dropped them to 11 and 20. And in the big scheme of things, they are three games from the number eight seed behind the Charlotte Hornets, which is not good because they don't have the tiebreaker there. So that's why it's three games and not two and a half. But more importantly, the Pistons are six and a half games from the number seven seed. They would need to make some kind of run even to get to be in the number eight position But beyond that, it's another three and a half games to get to the number seven seed, which is Brooklyn right now. And Brooklyn battling some injuries very similar to the way the Pistons are. That just doesn't seem like it's very likely to do. So what is the instruction from team owner Tom Gores to try to move forward? Are they a team that's going to try to push forward, add more pieces? They don't really have the wiggle room for that in terms of their salary cap. They don't have a lot of assets that teams are going to want to trade for. It's a really tough spot for the Pistons to be in. And most of it, admittedly, is because of health and the way that this thing was structured. That it was based on having Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard, Tony Snell, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond be their go-to starting lineup with a big injection from Derrick Rose off the bench as a a super sub, a six-man to come in and provide them that offensive juice in that second group, but they have been completely decimated by injuries. Of the 31 games, Blake Griffin has missed 15, which is just about half. Reggie Jackson has missed 29 because of back injuries, and there's no clear timeline on when he might return. Luke Kennard has now had recurring injuries with five or six games missed because of knee injuries, and he said the other day very tellingly in the locker room that he doesn't feel like himself. The aggressiveness isn't there. The athleticism isn't there, and there have been more discussions about Blake Griffin and even Andre Drummond with Avocado Gate in Mexico City with the allergy to avocados that had some inflammation in his eye. He missed two games from that. And now Bruce Brown has some calf soreness. Derrick Rose missed five games, five or six games. This has turned into just the absolute worst-case scenario, just about, in terms of their injuries and games that are missed. Looked it up, they have 13 different starting lineups in 31 games. The best of those is 4-3, and three, and that's the typical lineup that they've got with Brown, Kennard, Snell, Griffin, and Drummond. But they just haven't had enough continuity and consistency to get anything established to try to be an identity or try to figure out what type of team they want to be and very clearly with this setup it needs to be Griffin at the head of that as the face of that 
And with his knee injuries, you can see that he doesn't have the lift. He doesn't have the explosion. There have been some very small glimmers where he's gotten to the rim and uh, reverse layup. And you, you think back five years ago, somebody's getting dunked on in those scenarios. We just don't see that. Last night against the 76ers, 2 of 14 from the field, 0 of 6 on three-pointers. The lift in getting that line drive three-pointer just isn't there. And you can see very clearly he's not himself. He's not close to 100%. And he alluded to that last night in the locker room as well. So where do the Pistons go from here? You can look in, and look at the schedule and see coming up on the West Coast trip coming this weekend – they start in San Antonio, they go to Salt Lake City, they've got the Clippers, Golden State Warriors, the Lakers, and they finish off that six-game spread at Cleveland. You would have to think that they would go 3-3 three and three in that for there to be some glimmer of hopes. Maybe they beat the Spurs, Golden State, and Cleveland in a, in a best-case scenario. Maybe they get one or two from the LA teams somewhere in there, but it's very hard to envision that they'd go five and one in those six games, four and two in those six games. It's going to be difficult as well. Salt Lake city, a very tough place to, to go and win LA against a powerful Lakers team and a very good Clippers team as well. It's going to be hard to steal one of those, especially with the injuries being what they are right now. So I think that might be a time where the season reaches its tipping point and the Pistons have to figure out which direction they're going, whether they're going to be sellers ahead of the trade deadline on February 6th, whether they try to add something else, which is going to be very, very difficult to try to do. So in terms of direction, what does that mean? You've got a lot of your payroll invested in Drummond, Griffin, Reggie Jackson has an expiring contract to a lesser degree, Langston Galloway as well, and I'll try to touch on each of those. I wrote about it earlier this week on how do the Pistons move forward with this roster as constituted. With Jackson, he's missed almost all of the season. I don't know where you're going to come off of that contract with a team that's just willing to take in salary and maybe waive him at the deadline because you're just dumping salary if, if they choose to go that way. $18.3 million, maybe you pair that with something else, some kind of sweetener. Uh, it could be a future draft pick, could be a young guy like a Svima Hailuk or Kyrie Thomas or something like that to bring in a player that can give you some value that would be able to play. And point guard has been the sore spot this season, and Bruce Brown has stepped in and tried to contribute as much as he could at that position, but he's not a point guard. He's very clearly not a point guard, and learning on the fly on a team that has some playoff expectation is a little bit too much pressure for him, and it's also a little unfair to him that he needs to be more of a wing defender type and what Dwayne Casey always says, keep his day job or pay attention to his day job. But if you're having to handle the ball, you're having to do a lot more stuff in the offensive end than is your strength or that you had planned on doing. It's a very tough spot for him to be in. So Reggie Jackson, a potential trade piece, and we've known that for a while, it, 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 over the last year or two, that that's the direction that that was leaning toward. The bigger question then becomes, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, the two highest paid players on the roster, where do you go with that? And I, I posed a question on Twitter the other day. The direction the Pistons are going to go seems to be based clearly on whether the Pistons believe and team owner Tom Gorris believe they are better with both 
Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, either one or the other, or neither. And that's really where all this leads down to is how do you plot out the future of this franchise based on those two guys, Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. For Drummond, you're looking at a $28.8 million player option that he can opt into. And there have been indications he's said on different videos and different posts and in, in some comments that he's leaning more toward testing free agency because he's never been a free agent. And at his max slot, you're looking at $28.8 million that becomes a less tradable piece if he's going to opt out and if you're sure that he opts out. And here's the scenario that I want people to think about. Let's just say Drummond opts in because 28.8 is tough to turn down. The only reason you'd be turning that down is if you think that you're going to get more somewhere else. So let's say he is trying to get $30 million, but just for kicks and giggles. Let's say that he's going to get $30 million. You, That's looking at... Four years, $120 million from somewhere. The logic to me seems to be if there aren't teams that are willing to trade for Andre Drummond, which hasn't happened in the past couple of years, then they're not teams that are going to pay him at that four years and $120 million, that $30 million a year. I don't see there are a lot of teams for that. The benchmark seems to be a Nikola Vucevic or Rudy Gobert type contract, which is somewhere in the range of $100 million, four years and a hundred or twenty-five million per year, which do the math. Twenty-five million versus twenty-eight point eight million, you're giving up four million dollars a year. So I would think it makes more sense for Drummond and his agent to say, opt in for next year, take the twenty-nine, and play your way into some team's heart. All you need is one team to believe in, in you and, and willing to sign the check. And maybe that team already exists. If that is the case, and Drummond and his agent would know that better than I would, that is the case, they have some thought or some idea that a team would be willing to pay that, then by all means, knock yourself out. There just don't seem to be that many available teams with that max level space of $30 to be able to bring Drummond in. And all of those things have to line up. You need a team that has max space, maybe in Atlanta, maybe Charlotte gets to that point. That's been a rumor that Charlotte is interested. I, I haven't been able to confirm that with anybody and those are two teams maybe Dallas has also been thrown in the mix on ESPN Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and Zach Lowe commented that maybe Dallas could be interested in an Andre Drummond and for a team that might go over the cap and might pursue something like that you would think it would be a team that would be contending or thinks that they're right there Dallas fits the bill in a lot of that and checks off a lot of those things that Uh, a team that maybe pursuing Drummond would want to do. You can imagine what Drummond next to Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis would look like. That's a lot of size, a lot of athleticism. We were able to see that up close and personal in Mexico City on that trip last week, that a lot of those things could come together to make that happen. If Dallas sitting in that, that top three or four seeds in the West feels like that's the thing that's going to take them over the top. They need rebounding. They need an athletic big to counter what Anthony Davis has and LeBron have in Los Angeles. Then maybe that's a move that they make. Drummond may not be the exact piece, but he gives them a different dimension with Porzingis that a lot of other teams in the West don't have. Maybe Utah with Rudy Gobert 
gives them a counter to that uh, too. For Drummond, it seems like it's very complicated to try to figure out what the next move for him. But I've, I would say don't rule out the idea that he could opt back in and either stay with the Pistons for one more year to try to smooth out some of those rough edges or it might help a team if if Dallas is going to do a rental or one of those teams is going to do a rental do you want to just rent him for the rest of this year or do you want to look at another year tacked on to that where you get a little bit more and maybe the Pistons get more back in return in a potential trade if they know the other team knows that they have Drummond available for not just the rest of this year, but next year also. And then another potential option would be a extension and trade situation where Drummond signs the extension here and then gets traded off. And that would be the other team looking for more long-term certainty with Drummond. And again, there's no real impetus to do that unless they need him this year for the remainder of this and they're making some playoff run that they would want to do the extension and trade because they'd have to give up more assets for that long-term security. The other piece in that is Blake Griffin. As an all-NBA player last year, and I mentioned some of the troubles that he's having this year with the knee, his trade value is extremely depressed that a team, if you're looking at a Miami or a Portland or something like that, a team that needs a power forward and a veteran guy, what are they going to give up for that For Blake Griffin and the status that he's attained, you'd want to get maybe a first-round pick, maybe a rotation-type player. But he's from a logical standpoint, he's not worth nearly as much on the trade market as he would have been, say, at the end of last year or even in the middle of last year if the Pistons were trying to get off that contract. And that was something that everybody knew. Once the Pistons traded for Blake Griffin, getting off that contract was going to be very, very difficult. And now they're seeing the additional piece of that is now his injury history is cropping back up where it wasn't as much of an issue during the middle of last year again an all NBA season missed the last five games and part of the playoffs but people thought that injury history would come back at some point and at this point it looks like it has that knee that he had surgery on in the offseason didn't heal as quickly he missed the first 10 games of the season and now we're seeing him trying to work his way back and it's just not as easy as anybody thought One more player to consider is Langston Galloway shooting 40-plus percent from three-point range and a good defender on an expiring deal. He's making $7.3 million this year. If the Pistons decided to part with that, there are some folks who have said he could get a good second-round pick, maybe a late first-round pick depending on the team that's looking for three-point shooting. If you're the Lakers or you're looking for something like that, Potentially, there are some other teams in the, the both the East and the West that might be able to give you a late first-round pick, which would be an outstanding haul for the Pistons if they're able to bring that in. I would just say in Galloway's case, that's a guy that you consider bringing back, but at what price? Because at 7.3 now, some would say that he's overpaid for the role that he has as a bench player who comes in and uh, shoots well from three, but... On the open market, if he continues and he's hitting 40%, you can see that he can make 10 to $12 million, very similar to what Reggie Bullock made when going to the Knicks and what that contract was. Wayne Ellington, same type of niche that Langston Galloway has carved. So you can see what that kind of looks like. And if the Pistons do decide to go into a, a rebuild mold, 
you could very well use a veteran good locker room guy like a Langston Galloway that comes in and does his work. You're never going to have problems out of him that he could be even at 10 million, I think a bargain for and, and an asset for the Pistons to try to bring back on a longer term deal, maybe two years and 20, three years and 32 or something like that wouldn't be terrible. There are much worse ways that you can spend your money. And with the Pistons coming up this summer, having a lot of their cap freed up with potentially whatever Drummond's going to do. You would assume Reggie Jackson's contract is off, that the Josh Smith $5.3 million finally comes off of the payroll. Some other player options like a Thon Maker, they would have to make some decisions on too, but they could free up a lot of space to do a lot of different things. But if they can't get free agents, they'd have to figure out something else. And Galloway might be a guy that you can look at and try to bring back on a reasonable deal whatever reasonable might mean to you want to get into the holiday wishes for each of the Pistons players and we'll start with Andre Drummond I will gift him a healthy point guard and a good fit and whether that's with the Pistons or another team those have been the best pieces that Drummond has had when Reggie Jackson was healthy and they were running pick and rolls 40 times a game 60 times a game that was his best self as the role man on a pick and roll and, and high screen and roll stuff was good stuff to watch. It might have been boring for a lot of people, but it was when he was playing his best and looking like an all-star caliber player. So a good fit wherever he is, whether it's here, whether it's somewhere else, we can see what type of player he can develop into and whether this was just a mirage that something that the time with the Pistons was just him being used in one certain way. If he goes out west, maybe he can run a little bit more. Maybe he can utilize his talents a little bit more. Or maybe we see just the same thing all over again. But I think a change of scenery might open up some different opportunities. Not saying that I want him traded, but it would be interesting to see how that pans out. For Blake Griffin, gift him some knee cartilage and. I don't even know if that's legal to try to give him knee cartilage, but fans on Twitter have also volunteered and said they'd give him all their knee cartilage just so he can be healthy. But we're seeing that Blake Griffin just isn't himself. And what was striking against the Sixers when he was going 2 or 14, where there were some boos that were littered in there a little bit and for what Blake Griffin has done in his short time here is going on two full years now that the booing fans can do whatever they want to boo. I'm never going to tell fans what they can and can't do, but it's just a bad look when you're booing Blake Griffin, when you juxtapose that with what he did coming back after the knee injuries in the playoffs to play. And you knew that he was playing on an injured knee and maybe he couldn't injure it anymore, but just give him an understanding fan base that, doesn't look at a stretch of games or one or two games and looks at what he's doing to build up this roster and to help this roster. He didn't choose to come here. He, The story goes that he was surprised that he had to find out via other means that he was being traded here. But he's tried to make the best of this situation of a team that wasn't playoff driven and going in that direction and he's, he's really taking his team on his back so that was a little unfair for Derek Rose Benjamin Button syndrome 
allow him to turn back the clock and be the player that he was in previous years. And you need the same sort of thing for Blake Griffin, cellular regeneration, cloning, anything like that. But just those wonder years of when Derrick Rose was the youngest MVP in the league, just a fraction of that, just a flash every once in a while. For Luke Kennard, just give him a a solid high screen that he can come off and let go of that lefty jumper that he's been so known for and just give Kennard some good health moving forward that you can see he's not at 100%, not close to it. But more more than that, give him that aggressiveness. Give him that dog that he's going for his shot and taking it. For Tony Snell, just give him green lights. It's like when you're driving at 2 a.m. and you catch traffic in just the right way, just a bunch of green lights, give Tony Snell the green light to shoot the three. He's been one of the better three-point shooters in the league this year. He just needs more opportunity, more passing to be able to get him there. For Bruce Brown, it's a big box with a bow on it, and when you open it up, it's a reliable jump shot. Whether it's a three from the corner, from the top of the key, just give him that confidence and that ability to get that shot off. The smaller box is going to be the dog to finish at the rim and not just try to lay it up to dunk on somebody. I think if he dunks on a big man, a Brooke Lopez or something like that, that might help him finish a little bit better. For Markeith Morris, a box of headbands because he's brought that back with Bruce Brown and with Tim Frazier, but just clear lanes to the rim. Morris, obviously one of the better three-point shooters on that bench unit as well, but clear lanes to the rim, let him be able to finish and establish himself in the post a little bit better. For Reggie Jackson, his gift is another contract somewhere here or anywhere else. It can be a vet minimum deal anywhere, but it's just tough to see with the career that he's had that he's ending on injuries this year that have kept him out of the lineup. He played all 82 games last year for the first time in his career and to only play two games and to miss what looks to be half of the season this year is just a disappointing way to end this tenure with the Pistons and who knows what that next deal is going to be. For Langston Galloway, just space. Give him a little bit of space. Give him a look. He's one of the better three-point shooters in making the three-point shot after getting fouled and the free throw after it. I think he's made six or seven of those this year trailing probably only James Harden in that category and I don't know how you're going to catch James Harden because he seems to get one or two every game for Christian Wood I will gift him a full contract guarantee which seems to be just a formality at this point that he's worked hard enough he doesn't get the playing time that many people think he deserves but Dwayne Casey is bringing him in slowly but surely but when he gets in he seems to be like a point per minute guy and if you're able to play him in any kind of combination of 18, 20 minutes, he could be a double-double guy for every game. For Svi Mihailuk, just playing time and some footwork. He showed better defensive footwork last night against the Sixers, played against some tougher offensive players, but just time. You can see that it's starting to piece itself together. Svi went four for four on three-pointers last night. So he needs more games like that, but to get there, he's just going to need time. For Thon Maker, just staying grounded and not grounded in a a mentality or emotional way, but just keep those feet on the ground. When he jumps, he gets into foul trouble and a lot of bad things happen. 
So, for Thon, stay on your feet, stay on the ground. Your hands are long enough where you can block most people's shots anyway. Just take that. For rookie Sekou Dumboya, who turned 19 yesterday, patience, 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 patience for yourself and from the fans, understanding that it's going to come at some point. And then playing time. It'll come, and you can see the flashes of it in the G League when he's playing with the Grand Rapids Drive. That translation to the NBA is just going to be a little bit longer, and you can see where it it can happen, just not going to be so quickly. Tim Frazier, more cameos, just cameo appearances where he can come in. He had seven quick points against the Sixers. He had 13 points the other night. Just those small little cameo appearances will bring longevity in his career because a team will always see that he has value as that third point guard. For Kyrie Thomas, just good health. He's had a foot injury, had a broken foot that's kept him out for most of this season where all of these injuries have happened and more opportunities would have been there for him in terms of playing time, just completely poor timing for him. So just good health and some minutes as the season progresses. And the two-way players, Lewis King, calories, a lot of calories. You've seen also with the Grand Rapids Drive that he can jump in and be a good contributor, but just like Sekou, it's just going to take some time and some calories for him. And then for Jordan Bone, just transportation from Grand Rapids to downtown Detroit for whatever number of games it's going to take that if all of the indications are there and Reggie Jackson gets traded, there will be more opportunities for Jordan Bone to be on the roster and maybe even to play some in the Pistons uniform. Again, with the drive, he's shown that he can play some point guard and not just be a point guard, but be a dynamic scorer also, whether it's from three or just getting in the lane and causing some havoc. So for Jordan Bone, that's what I wish for you. And for Dwayne Casey, I will gift him, for the man who has almost everything, I will gift him some hot tea and some throat lozenges because he does so much yelling during the game that he very often loses his voice. And by the time he gets to the post-game press conference, he is completely hoarse, lost his voice, everything else. I'll gift him that so that uh, he feels a little bit better. But those are my Christmas gifts for the Pistons heading into the holiday season, heading into Christmas, and then going into the new year. You can also make some of those New Year's resolutions if you are just listening to the podcast after Christmas. But that's all I got. Again, thanks for joining me for episode four of the Rod and Real podcast, special holiday edition. Try to get you something else during the Pistons West Coast trip again that begins this weekend in San Antonio. And again, those games are San Antonio, Salt Lake City against the Jazz, Clippers, Golden State Warriors, Lakers, and then the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't know how they fit on a West Coast trip, but somehow they just do. Check out all of the coverage online at DetroitNews.com. Have a happy Hanukkah, a happy Christmas, happy Kwanzaa, whatever you celebrate. Do it well. Have a good end of the 2019 season and as we usher in 2020. I'm Rod Beard. We'll see you next time.